At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And we're the only station brave enough to bring you the news you crave on, yeah, that's it, on cryptids, obviously. I don't know where else I thought that was going to go. The the news you crave on those digital waves and something. Oh, there you go. I was hoping a good rhyme would come to me, and it did not. I was deserted in my hour of need by the muse of sick beats. Sick beats. You have to be careful. Taylor Swift will sue you. Oh my gosh. That was, I don't know if you, if you were aware of that whole thing. Yeah, I had forgotten all about that, actually. I had blissfully scrubbed that from oh, my memory sorry. until just now. That Taylor Swift tried to copyright the phrase, the sick beat. <laughs> Which, like... Is one bug wild, but two, for Taylor Swift of all people to copyright that specific phrase, like, is even more wild in a way that would, like, have been very funny if she was doing it with any degree of awareness. Oh, yeah. You know? But it was just, like, not. It's just because it appears in, in a song of hers. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what this show is about. <laughs> it's not. No, this is not a Taylor Swift fan cast, nor will it ever be. Uh, not as long as I have any say in it. <laughs> the first song I ever learned how to play on my guitar was Teardrops on My Guitar, and I did used to play it and cry. Oh, yeah. Here's the <laughs> okay. thing. If you grew up in the early 2000s, you were either a Teardrops on My Guitar girl or you were a The Only Exception girl. I kind of flip-flooped, but yeah. I mean, like, as your first foray into the the four-chord guitars. I, actually, I think The Only Exception only has three until you get to the bridge. Then it throws, like, a B7 in there. Mm, see, that's why I never did it. I was a The Only Exception girl. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think that's why I never did it, because I couldn't get the B7. Yeah, the B7's hard, especially when you got small hands. But if you have a capo, or if you don't mind transposing because you have a low voice, <laughs> world of possibilities. Anyway, uh, we're not talking about Paramore today. <laughs> we are talking about a cool alpine friend that I have brought for you. Who did you bring me? I bring you the Totsil Verm. Oh. Are you aware of the Totsil Verm? I am. Yes. So even though I know, oh boy, even though I know what it is and that it isn't some sort of like fried German pastry, I still want it to be. I, I also want it to be. I don't want to eat the Totzelwurm, to be clear. I just want the word Totzelwurm to mean something I can eat. But I yeah. do not recommend chomping down on this friend. No? No, it will not be a good experience. For anyone involved, I would imagine. For anyone involved. No, not for the Totzelwurm, but also not for you. Because the Totzelwurm, as it stands, is incredibly venomous. Oh. Which is just one of many fun things to know about it. So let's start at the beginning. Please. The Totzelwurm is, as I previously stated, an alpine cryptid. It shows up very frequently in German lore specifically, you know, the Austrian and Bavarian Alps, but also in the Italian and Swiss Alps as well. Mm. So... 
you know, wherever you are in that specific region, that sort of mountain range, uh, you can find it. It does show up in all of those different locations and sort of some regional variants. But for the most part, the basic stories about it and the basic understanding and descriptions are all the same. Okay. The topsail verm is pretty cool because it's one of those where people describe it in a very specific way. And then we kind of have to unpack and figure out what that means and like what that description would actually look like. Right. And that has led to some pretty wild drawings of the topsail verm. Oh boy. Oh boy. So I don't know how much you know about the topsail verm or what it looks like, but the basic description of the topsail verm is the cat-headed dragon of the Alps. Oh! Yeah. Wait! 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 No, Mm -hmm. wait, I didn't... Mm Mm-hmm. Oh! Yes. The topsail verm in pretty much all sources I checked is usually between two to six feet long, sometimes a little bit longer, with a long snake-like body usually two front legs, although sometimes it has more, sometimes it has less, and a cat-like face. Oh my god, it's a baby! It is a baby. It's a pretty vicious baby, though, so be careful. No, it's a baby. Yeah, as soon as I looked up this guy, I was like, huh, this is going to be an Addison trap. (laughs) This is mine. You've had so many danger dogs. This This is is yours. This is your son now. (laughs) Welcome the tonsil worm into your arms, into your heart. It's it's a baby. It's a baby. (laughs) Oh, man. It's... Every drawing of this thing is golden. Like, every single one. Then can I just, like, while I listen to you, I'm just gonna, like, do a gentle Google Oh, yeah, yeah. Just do, like, a soft, sweet Google for your your baby boy. (laughs) (laughs) T-A-T-Z-E-L-W-U-R-M. Got it. Thank you. So let me go ahead and give you the basic overview coming to you from... uh, (gasps) Oh, no. Uh Oh, no. In Alpine folklore, the Totzelverm or Strollenverm, it's known by many names, actually, is a lizard-like creature, often described as having the face of a cat with a serpentine... Like a beautiful, like, caracal kind of face. It's really cool. With a serpent-like body, which may be slender or stubby, with four short legs or two forelegs. The alleged creature is sometimes said to be venomous or attacks with poisonous breath, and to make a high-pitched or hissing sound. Well, yeah, of course it would hiss. It's a kitty. It's a kitty snake. Uh, oh my god. Addison, it's a cat snake. Which is what I always thought is what uh, ferrets were, but I learned. I've used that term colloquially so many times, and now it's only going to mean Totsilverm in my head. What if Totsilverm were just large ferrets? They're not, though. I mean, they're not, but what if they and are? I don't know why you would say that. They're not, and I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> I don't know why you would bring that energy into this space. Anecdotes describing encounters with the creature or briefly described lore about them can be found in several areas of Europe, including the Austrian, Bavarian, Italian, and Swiss Alps. It has several other regional names, including Bergstutz, Springwurm, Pratzelwurm, and in French, Arasas. Oh, my. Probably Arasas. I don't know. I don't know French. I'm going to trust you. Oh, that's the Tatzelwurm. Yeah. So the name Totzelwurm is not traditionally used in Switzerland. In Switzerland, it's usually known as the Stollenwurm or the Stollewurm, which means tunnel worm, or more specifically, dragon of the mine tunnels. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Stollenwurm may also be interpreted to mean a serpent with short, thick feet. Huh. Everything about the Totzelwurm is fun and funky and 
It's good. It's very good. Uh, Tatzelwurm is more used in specifically Germany as well as Austria. In other places, it's known as Bergstütz, Bergstütz, or Bergstützen, which means mountain stump, I think. Oh! <laughs> yeah, and that sort of was the more Austrian local variant until Totzelwurm became like the main colloquialism. I love the Totzelwurm. I, I love Der Krampus. <laughs> we love Der Totzelwurm. <laughs> no, In Italy, it is actually known as Il Basilisco or Basilisk. Oh, like, a, mm-hmm. oh shoot. It's yep. The- Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yikes. So the cat-like face description comes most specifically from Swiss lore, although pretty much every description I've found of it does at least describe it having cat-like eyes. Sometimes they are described specifically and overtly as like feline eyes, but other times they're just described as having very bright, intense eyes, which is kind of cool because when I'm thinking about people describing this thing as having like a cat-like face, do they mean like its face literally looks like a cat face or do they mean like it has features that remind them of cat feet? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a distinction there. It has there. a cat face. <laughs> In all of my favorite pictures, it is straight up just a cat head on a snake body and I love it so much. It better be. Yeah, I, I looked it up and I saw some of those pictures and it was really important They're to me. So really good. I don't know why you would ever try to take that away from me. <laughs> well, I apologize. You should. So we have quite a number of accounts of this thing throughout history, but I want to get into a few different descriptions of the way that it appears before I really start tackling those, because those are probably going to end up being the bulk of this episode. But I want to make sure we have a solid mental image first for the people who don't have the luxury of Googling. Okay. Yes. I love the Tatsulverm. <laughs> we love the Tatsulverm. <sighs> I think you pronounce it caracal, like, or caracal. Um, those, you know what I'm talking about? They're, like, really beautiful. Yeah, I know exactly the ones you mean. That's what the head on the illustrations I saw looks like. Mm-hmm. They are beautiful, vicious babies. They are beautiful, vicious babies. They're, like, really aggressive. <laughs> I was watching um, a video recently of one, because everything I consume is cat-related lately, because everything is on fire and the world is hell. So I just look at cat stuff. And there was a video of, like... It was not like an animal, like a rescue, essentially. Like it was a vet trying to like give like a shot to Uh a caracal. And so it was a baby one, so it couldn't do a lot of damage. But it was like really trying to like destroy. Like he had these like big thick gloves on because it was like chomp, chomp, chomp. Have you heard the noise they make? Kind of like classic wildcat, like maybe they are. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking now. Okay. So with a lot of specifically older, old world, quote unquote, folklore the origin stories for these creatures or the ones that people came up with are like really troubling uh-huh. about like very specific mating rituals right oh. and so i'm wondering like if the totsilverm is straight up just like one of these weird vicious cats like mating with a snake or something if that's like the concept i didn't see anything in any of my research about like where the thing supposedly comes from i guess totsilverm are just their own population um there are a few theories about them being like you know surviving sort of iterations of uh much older creatures um and there are some modern explanations for the naysayers out there but i i don't know i'm just throwing it out there that it seems like this cat you are describing has some very totsilverm characteristics i mean it does oh and they hiss like so loud their hiss is very Mm -hmm. loud to be fair if i'm not mistaken the caracal is african based 
Does it have venomous green blood that burns skin on contact? <laughs> not that I know of. It does have beautiful... Tuf- uh, then it's probably not a tonsil verb. It does have beautiful tufty ears. <laughs> oh, so there's something. Have you seen their tufty ears? Oh my goodness. I have. They're very good. <laughs> Little babies. <laughs> anyway, the first quote-unquote modern sighting of the tonsil verb is usually credited to a gentleman named Hans Fuchs. All right. F-U-C-H-S. This sighting comes from 1779. And it's cited in many different places. So pretty much everywhere I looked up the Totzelwurm, this Hans Fuchs sighting came up. Mm, okay. But Fuchs described the creature as being between five and seven feet in length with a winding serpent-like body, two clawed front legs, and a cat-like head. Oh. Mm-hmm. It attacked his livestock. I believe he had like a prized pig that the Totzelwurm killed and then he himself like ran from the scene told somebody and then died of a heart attack oh so that's this particular Totzelverm encounter but anyway there's a particular illustration that goes with this sighting um and you've probably seen it if you did this google in this particular picture it's like there's the pig in the foreground looking like not really doing anything but looking vaguely distressed while the Totzelverm, which is just like a black cat on the back half of a snake, like, <laughs> is going, and sort of, like, <laughs> chewing on the pig. And then this Hans Fuchs character is just in the background, like, with his hands up in the air, like, oh, no. <laughs> it's a really wild illustration. And I, I love, love it a lot. that. I love that so much. Oh, my God. It's very good. But that's our first description of the Totzelwurm. I love the Totzelwurm. <laughs> I've just figured out what this voice is. It's like mm-hmm. whoever is the German shepherd on Bojack Horseman that like is in charge of the Oscar nominations. That's what this is. Oh, good. Mr. Peanut Butter, we know what you did. <laughs> oh. We know what you did. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. All right. So the Totzelwurm, according to unknownexplorers.com, mm-hmm. uh, apparently Totzelwurm is German for claw worm. Wowzers. The more you know. Also described as the Stollenwurm, which we said, the Bergstützen, which means mountain stump again, and the Springwurm, which means jumping worm. Yeah, it does. Spring. Yeah. As previously stated, descriptions of the creature vary somewhat, but all seem to describe a stumpy lizard-like creature between two and six feet long. Good. In some cases, the Totzelwurm has those two forelegs, the very cat-like ones. In other cases, it has four legs, which are stumpier and like closer together. In every case, though, they're all said to have three toes with very sharp claws. Uh-huh. In some iterations, they're much more lizard-like than cat-like. In some, they're much more cat-like, and the lizard thing is really an addition onto the cat creature. An addition. Yeah. In some, they're not really, like, cat-ish at all. They're much more draconian, but the dragon ears in some pictures, Mm -hmm. like, are very lizard-like, but have that same sort of tuftedness to them as the other cat picture you were talking about. Yeah. Um, Or they have, like, the sort of whiskery dragon chin. Have you seen, like, some, like, specifically Asian dragons tend to have drawings done in this way. Mm -hmm. Yes. Where their faces, like, kind of have that whiskery appearance to them. So I don't know if that's what people mean when they say, like, feline. Yeah. Um, Or sometimes, you know, they just have, like, a snout that is kind of more like a cat snout than, like, a traditional lizard snout. Mm -hmm. So... I know, yeah, I was going to say Chinese dragons have, like, the whiskers in the renderings I've seen. Mm -hmm. So that's a factor, but also I don't know why you're trying to ruin this for me. (laughs) I'm just trying to let you know what what other less pure-of-heart individuals have seen when they look at the Totsil firm. They're not allowed to see its true form. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, like, fine and all, but you're being very rude. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll try to be more uh, uh, more considerate as we go forward. Okay, thank you. I just want to make sure you know you're being very rude. The Tatzelvarn was actually photographed in late 1954. Stop it. By a Swiss photographer by the name of Balkan, who claimed to have photographed it and the level of interest produced by the photograph's publication in the Berliner Illustrierte, a weekly illustrated magazine in Germany, led people to want to sponsor an expedition in search of the Tatzelvarn. However, the expedition didn't actually really turn up anything, and interest in the creature sort of disappeared after that point. And unfortunately, nowadays, people seem to think that the photograph was just a hoax. No! Sad if true, but that's what people get. Sad if true, but probably not true. Probably not true. No, it was for sure a real photograph, and the Totselworm saw its picture popping up in all these tabloids and was like, I'm definitely not hanging around to see these guys. I'm going to go to my other Alp winter home. <laughs> They said, this is too much heat. I gotta get off the streets. Gotta get out of town for a little bit. <laughs> they Margot Martindale down out of there. I need to stop talking about BoJack Horseman. But yeah, that's what happened. It saw its picture in the tabloids and said, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. There was another instance of what should have been absolutely verifiable evidence. Uh-huh. When a Totzelverm skeleton was mysteriously donated to the Geneva Institute of Science in the 1900s. Oh, boy. Yeah, we now only have a single photograph of the skeleton, which you can still find. It looks very snaky in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, it appears to be that of a long snake-like creature with two clawed arms and a larger-than-normal head. Now, something interesting is that it is not certain who donated the skeleton. Really? That is like a piece of information that's pretty tightly under wraps. <gasps> Are you kidding? No. A mysterious benefactor donated a Totzelvorm skeleton? Yes, to the Geneva Institute of Science. The uh, donation apparently also came with a pretty large donation. <laughs> so this is like a mysterious, like, cryptid hunter who travels across the globe and finds evidence and, but is also like independently wealthy somehow. I just, mm-hmm. oh my God, <laughs> I'm like really invested in this story. No, I'm just really invested in this story and I want to know what happened here. Uh, maybe that's your calling in life. Maybe it's up to you to track down the missing Totzelvorm skeleton and sort of India and Jones it back into the museum where it belongs. Holy crap, you think it is? I think maybe it is. Go find the hidden island of the cat snakes. Oh, it's cat snakes. Why did it have to be cat snakes? <laughs> Why did it have to be cat snakes? That was my Indiana Jones joke for the day, it's guys. pretty good. Thank you Thanks. for sharing. We'll make well, sure to like put a timestamp on that one so that people can all find it when they need it. <laughs> Um, what should my name be? Ooh, good question. Yeah. I mean, are you going with the naming convention of, like, state name, last name, or are you going with the convention of family dog name, last name? Oh, shoot. Well, considering my family dog's name was just Zoe. And then your last name would still be your last name. So not that, like, exotic, maybe. That's just a name. Yeah, I mean, so is... So is Indiana Jones. It's also like, that's also not his name. (laughs) No, it's the dog's name. His name is, oh shoot, I'm going to get tweets. Is it Henry? Yeah. That's his real name. Henry Jones Jr. That's what I thought. I haven't watched the uh, one with his dad in a while because I can't look at Sean Connery without getting angry. So, uh, okay, no, you know, we'll talk about this afterwards. (laughs) Oh no, it's okay. Anyway, um, yeah, no, Last Crusade is probably my favorite Indiana Jones movie, but that's fair. Honestly, I I love I'm I'm like a sucker for the classic for the original. Um, mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark is good, and it's got John Rhys Davies in it, who is amazing. And I actually 
don't know if I like Temple of Doom because I was so deeply disturbed by um, there's discussion in Temple of Doom of some kind of like herbal thing that they like give you and then like you lose your personality and like your sense of self or whatever and then like you're like that's the thing that got you for me it was chilled monkey brain yeah that was the thing that got me because as a young one and also continuing it now anything that deals with that like anything that is potentially reminiscent of a lobotomy in any capacity will really freak me out yeah um and then there's also the part where he straight up reaches into a guy's chest and pulls out his heart like temple of doom is all around just sort of a lot the storyline's not great either I know it's one of those where they did the movie thing where they, like, throw in an unnecessary child sidekick, and I just don't have a lot of patience for that. They threw in an unnecessary child sidekick, and also, like, the love interest in that movie was, like, neither a particularly well-written character on her own, nor did she have any chemistry whatsoever with Indiana Jones, so it was kind of uncertain, like, what her purpose was. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just wild. Also, I think it took place chronologically before Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? I haven't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark since I was like 13, so forgive me. The gal in Raiders of the Lost Ark, I do not remember her name, but I loved her. Marion Ravenwood. Thank you. I loved her. Look at me, just busting out the Indiana Jones trivia today. I loved her a lot. Anyway, my point is, I need a hat. I need, no, I'm afraid of the whip. I need like something else fun. Uh, Maybe a grappling (laughs) hook. Um, Okay. And I need to go on a search for the truth to recover the Totsil Farm skeleton for a museum. Yes. And I need to go to the mysterious island of the cat snakes. Good. I hope to all that is good in this world that somebody makes fan art. Please. Moving on. Also, <laughs> as I said, cat snake, I just, I was, I was thinking, I was like, they're not like the kind of creature, the Totsilworm that like lures you into a false sense of security then gets you. They seem to be pretty straightforward from the beginning. All I can think of is when cats do that thing where they roll over on their back and show you their belly. And then if you touch their belly, they bite. Oh goodness. If a Totsilworm did that, I would be lost forever. I would go pat the tongue yeah. and then I would die. <laughs> And the thing is, I actually found out recently why a lot of cats do that. And it's because they are they don't want you to touch the tummy. They're showing you the tummy as like to show you that they like trust you. And then you immediately violate the trust. <laughs> and then you immediately violate that trust. Yeah, it's like a submissiveness thing. Yeah, but they don't actually want you to touch the belly. And if you touch the belly, they're like, I trusted you. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, here's my most vulnerable position. I'm showing you that like... I trust you or respect you enough to, like, show you, you know, submission. And then you're like, I'm going to go for your weak spot. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's why they chomp. Yeah. Which, you know, fair. I know. It's just when I found that out fairly recently, I felt so bad because I was like, oh, no, I've been. All this time. All this time. I violated your trust. To be fair, some cats actually do want belly rubs in their, and, and so, like, that's a whole confusing thing. Yeah, right? Because Pumpkin does. Why can't cats just communicate more clearly about their wants and needs? I mean, they do, to be fair. If they don't like something you're doing, they will just sink their claws into you, which is pretty clear. Yes, that's true. And Or they'll do a little bite. A common description of the enigmatic totsilverm is that of a creature between, again, two to six feet, Completely covered in scales and with no hind legs, but rather a long snake-like body. So completely covered in scales. Some of the depictions seem to have the cat part as being very furry, but in a lot of other descriptions, it's that cat-like sort of facial structure, but not necessarily the fur. It's it's still a, a scaly guy. Uh, has very big, bright eyes and feline-like ears. 
So in this particular source, which is from itsnature.org. 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 It's not so much the idea of like a completely cat-like face. It's this idea of like has some qualities that are reminiscent of feline qualities. Okay. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Which some witnesses claim gives the Totsilberm the appearance of a cat covered in scales rather than fur. Another notable feature is that the Totsilverm can't apparently expel poisonous fumes that are strong enough to kill a human. Oh. Yeah. I see. Yep. All right. So here I have in front of me the apparent photo of the Totsilverm, the one that was published back in the 50s and caused all that stir. Uh Uh-huh. It's a black and white photo, and it's not blurry, actually, unlike a lot of cryptid photos, which is probably why people think it's a hoax, because they're like, this is too good of a picture to be a cryptid photo. Mm-hmm. What's so funny to me is that this picture is captioned, an apparent photo of the Totsilverm. And then under that, there's a smaller caption that says, an apparent photo of the Totsilverm. Oh, good. Just for clarification. <laughs> Just for clarification. Anyway, in this one, it looks to be, and it's hard to get a sense of scale from the picture. Scale. Because there's nothing else in the because there's nothing else in the picture to offer like a reference point for it. Mm-hmm. But it's not huge. I'd say this thing is maybe three feet long. Okay. The face is not particularly feline, except that I can see why they would consider the eyes to be very feline in nature. Uh-huh. I don't see ears on this one, but it does have like a shorter, more rounded snout. So I guess the the skull structure is more similar to like a kitty cat skull than a traditionally reptilian skull. It does have two short legs that are very stubby and are very, very close to the front of its body. Like they're only a couple inches behind the head. And then the rest of it is just this thick, snaky body. It's hard to really tell in this picture if there are scales or if it's all just sort of like fleshy and shiny all the way back. Uh-huh. Hard to say. I don't know. In any case, it is widely believed actually by a lot of people that the Totsilverm is some kind of rare salamander. Okay. More, more specifically, a lot of people have made the conclusion that it might be a Gila monster. Oh. The article goes on to say there are definitely a lot of similarities between the Totsilverm and the Gila monster, most notably the preferred habitat of underground burrows in mountainous areas, and can also explain sort of the reports of poisonous fumes as the Gila monster is extremely venomous and one of the world's only venomous lizards. Yes, I, I am familiar with it. I always thought it was Gila monster. It might be. That's probably me just murdering their pronunciation. Oh, no, you're fine. I just wasn't. I'm fully not sure. I don't know. It's one of those things that I've read way more than I've heard pronounced, and I didn't think to double check it. For a significant portion of my young life, I said Arans instead of Arans. So here we are. Fair. It's okay. In any case. In any case. You remember how we were talking about in the different areas how the Totsilverm is also referred to as like the tunnel worm or the mountain worm. Yeah. It has this, you know, this burrowing aspect to it. It lives chiefly underground. Okay. And a lot of people think that's actually why sightings have only given it two legs because maybe it's just only partially emerged. Oh. Um, and so they're only seeing the front two legs and not the back of it. Yeah. Again, you know, if it is in fact just a venomous lizard or a venomous reptile, the Totsilverm is described as being extremely venomous in a lot of different sightings. And we'll get into some more of the sightings here in just a minute, but there's even one where it's described as like somebody cutting open a Totsilverm and the blood of the creature being so caustic that it actually like injured the person by splashing on him. Oh my God. Yeah. So again, all of those things can be sort of like hyper-realistic retellings of actual encounters with a venomous lizard, right? Like 
things that grow in the telling a bit. Or it could just be that we're all sleeping on the tonsil worm. Yeah, I should point out that the xenomorph in the Alien franchise has acid blood. Oh, so it's also a salamander. Yes. (laughs) That's not anything. So there are two pretty well-known tales of the, like, origin of the legend of the tonsil worm. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Always ready. The first tale follows that of a young girl who was working on a farm in Switzerland, chopping down bean poles when she accidentally disturbed the burrow of a tonsil worm and was attacked. The tonsil worm in this account was described as being of a gray coloration and about the size of a common domesticated cat. So maybe that's part of the association. With a fleshy, hairless body and two front legs. Oh. <laughs> According to the story, the tonsil worm glared at the girl and she ran away, describing big, bright eyes too intense to meet. Wow. Yeah, and that part's fascinating to me because once you get into this idea of like eyes that you can't look directly into, I become very fascinated by how this plays into basilisk lore. I was going to say, considering the fact that there's already an area that straight up calls it a basilisk. Yeah, in the Italian Alps, it's it's um, il basilisco. Yeah, but it doesn't say that anything happens to you if you meet its eyes, more just that it's like intimidating. <laughs> right. It doesn't actually inflict damage upon you with its eyes. That's not one of the many ways this thing can hurt you. <laughs> it can break your heart, though. Uh, can and will. Oh, no. The second story tells of that of a man and his son out gathering herbs in the mountains, when the man suddenly heard his son scream and seemed to be paralyzed in fear staring at a rock. The man sprinted over to his son only to see a quote-unquote gruesome monster under the rock near his son, which hissed like a snake and had the face of a cat with big, bright eyes. The man managed to stab the tonsil worm with a sharpened stick and pierced its flesh easily, but according to the story, the blood of the creature sprayed out and burnt the man's leg, making his journey home long and arduous due to his limp. Yeah. Now, again, it is possible that it wasn't this monster's blood that sprayed on the man, but, you know, it's venom. Maybe Mm. it being surprised or caught off guard or or just a defensive mechanism, possibly, like... Because it was being stabbed. (laughs) Because it was, you know, very much being stabbed. (laughs) Yeah. I would do the same. (laughs) Oh, God, if I could spray venom, like, I would spray venom at every man who ever poked me. (laughs) To be fair, I I was going to say, I do tend to spray venom when I feel threatened. It just isn't a literal spray. Yeah. So much as it's just, like, yelling. Anyway. Which, you know, is its own kind of defense mechanism. Or blocking people on Facebook. Even better. Even better. Even better. Sorry. Uh, No, I just, sorry, I pulled up the next page I had, which is from the Singular Fortean Society. And the Totsilverum picture on this thing is frankly terrifying. Oh, good. I will take a picture and show you, but um, it's a lot. Are you ready? Yes. Prepare yourself. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Prepare yourself. Oh, I'm ready. I need to know that you are like bracing yourself against some object. I'm sitting in a chair. Okay. Please describe for the good people what you are about to open in front of you. So let's see what <laughs> I saw this when I did I saw this when I did my initial Google image search. It's a lot, right? It has like four tails, first of all. Oh well no, I think it's coiled around itself. Oh, okay. It's coiled. <laughs> coiled snake and it's got little like human y arms. And like if I'm leveling with you completely, the face is just like a really scary Princess Carolyn. Yeah, it's like a horrible Garfield death muppet. Yeah, it's really bad. It's like kind of this sickly green with these red eyes and like really intense bags under its eyes, which like same right now, to be honest. But, yeah, right. And it's got these sort of uh snaggly teeth. The way the texture is rendered on this thing, it's just like this horrible, like <laughs> wrinkly flesh tube, and I don't love it. 
It's neither fuzzy nor scaly, which I assumed that a cat snake would be either one or the other or both. Instead, it's somewhere squarely in the middle and also nowhere, and I hate it. (laughs) It's in a very bad liminal space. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a sphinx cat? I don't know, maybe. I don't think so, though. I think it's just instead bad. It is possibly instead just very bad. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about the Totzelverm skeleton, since you are planning on going on this expedition. That sounds good. Thank you. So there have been a couple different sort of skeletal incidences. And trying to pin down the one in particular that has to do with the Geneva Institute leads me to this passage here. Okay. In 2000, a skeleton said to belong to a Totzelverm was sent to the Geneva Institute of Science along with a sizable donation. The law firm of Gunter Haus in Germany handled the donation and refused to divulge the name of its mysterious benefactor or why the institute in Geneva was chosen as the recipient. There have also been reports in the Trisivio area of Italy near the Swiss border as recently as 2009, although those were largely written off by authorities as rogue monitor lizards that had escaped or been released by their owners. Oh, I see. <laughs> There you have it. But yeah, so this was actually just in 2000 that the skeleton was sent to the Geneva Institute. So you could still be hot on the trail. It's not dead yet. Okay. Okay. I I could do it. I could make this happen. I think you could. I think I could. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but there's something I love about the implication that like, well, they sent a skeleton and then also a very large donation. And it's like, okay, but it's not like you paid them off to like make you famous because nobody knows who you are. <laughs> no, they just wanted to support the museum. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. It's just like, it's specifically set up in a way to sound ominous, but it's like the money didn't, didn't do anything. It's not like they're showing off that skeleton to like everybody and being like, we support this, like because they were paid off. And it's not like they're, you know, making whoever donated it into some big wig of cryptozoology. Like we don't know who it was. It's just... It's just they donated a skeleton and also an obscenely large amount of money. It's like somebody didn't quite understand how museum donations work. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, well, maybe this briefcase will convince you. And they're like, sir, we would have just taken your weird skeleton anyway. Yeah, it's like you think they think you have to bribe a museum to take an artifact. To take an artifact, yeah. And it's like, that's not how museums work. That's not how anything works. I get it. I would do the same thing. Fair. As someone who always thinks I have to like convince people to want me in their life or anything I do for them in their life, I'd be like, here's a donation of an artifact I found. Also, here's some money. So you want to take the artifact that I found? (laughs) Is that better? Do you like me now? Anyway, Is this good for you? Please, God, don't tell anybody who I am. (laughs) I would like an validation, please. (laughs) One validation. (laughs) Oh, no. And one cat snake. Okay. And one cat, one of your finest cat snakes. <laughs> if I pay you six million dollars, will you reanimate the skeleton for me? That's not. That's not how museums work. I think that's what the money was for. <laughs> this was my beloved pet cat snake. Please bring him back. <laughs> oh no! Now it's sad. Oh. Now I made it sad. Now I'm sad. All I wanted to do was say, barkeep, one of your finest cat snakes. <laughs> uh, let's talk about a few more little sightings. Please, yes. Here's another interesting one. In 1828, a peasant supposedly found the corpse of a totzelverm, which, by the time he managed to bring it home, crows had apparently eaten half of the creature. Yeah. 
Okay, that's horrible. It's very <laughs> horrible. And like the way it is structured, it's like this guy found a very convincing skeleton, but wouldn't you know it, on my way home, crows ate half of it. So it was just like this guy was carrying this skeleton and like crows were swooping down and eating it out of his arms. Like I don't understand. That's very the dog ate my homework, but also the most nightmarish version of all. Yeah, it's real bad. And I've seen that story in a couple different places. And it always seems to be described as if like, he found a corpse, but unfortunately, crows ate it before it could like convince anybody. And it's like, that's like, if it wasn't clearly a Totsilverm skeleton, when you picked it up, like, how did it not become one on your way? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. Who can say? Who can say when the crows ate its face? Okay. Was that an Enya deep cut? <laughs> A little bit. Oh, I love Enya. <laughs> Me too. Okay. <clears throat> An anecdotal cat-headed serpent with no legs was said to have been encountered by a Johan and Thomas Tinner at a place locally known as Hauvelen on the mountain of Frumschen in the barony of Altsaxe, Switzerland. Okay. It was alleged to have a black-gray body and to measure seven feet or more in length. That's big. Residents in the neighborhood were complaining that their cow's udders were being mysteriously sucked. <laughs> but the incident stopped after this creature was killed. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, no. The cow is dry. It's that dang totsel worm. That's not the totsel worm. That's just like weird Joe sneaking into your... <laughs> to get some free milk. Weird Johan is just like, uh, yeah, sounds like a cat dragon. Yep. That was, that was for sure a cat dragon that did that. Yeah. Oh, no. A four-legged cat-headed dragon was described by Andreas Roduner as something he encountered in 1660 on Mount Vangersberg in Sarganserland. Okay. And that when it reared up on its hind legs, it became tall as a man with boar-like bristles running down its back. Oh, wild. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a bristly boy, this one. Yeah. And then there was a creature like a four-legged lizard with a crest on its head, allegedly seen by Johannes Bueller of Senwald Parish. That description was preserved by some unnamed naturalist. A dragon with an enormous head and two forelimbs was a creature claimed to have been encountered by 70-year-old Johannes Egerter of Linz on Mount Camor. Mm -hmm. When it exhaled its breath, the man said he was overcome with headache and dizziness. Oh, <laughs> that's like some pretty bad breath. Pretty heckin' bad. Like, pretty bad. I don't love it. Um, according to Samuel Studer, the Stollenwurm is called from mm -hmm. Stollen, meaning short feet. I guess, in this translation. <laughs> and they were believed to appear after humidly hot weather or when the weather was undergoing volatile change, which I think is kind of interesting if we are to assume that they are some variant of salamander because salamanders in mythology tend to have associations with, like, you know, volatile conditions or intense heat. Yeah, usually, uh, as far as I know, like, volcanic mm -hmm. stuff. Yep. Yeah, that makes a great deal of sense. Yeah. That it would be a salamander. I can see that completely. Um, although also I'd like to ask you again, mm -hmm. why you insist on ruining this for me? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. They're cat salamanders. Cat snakes is better though. I got to hang out with a snake recently. Did it have a cat shaped head? It was a, no, it was just a regular snake, but it was a ball python and it was nice. Well, then why are you ruining this for me? Okay. You're right. I'm sorry. 
Anyway, Studer's treatise included a few different eyewitness accounts, one of which was that in 1811, a stolen worm with a forked tongue, serpent-like but rather wide head, and two stubby feet was reported by a schoolmaster Heinrich, which he claimed to have seen in Guttanental in Kentenbern, Switzerland. Mm. He described it as measuring one klofter in length. I don't know what that means. With a body about the thickness of a man's leg. Okay, so how many men's legs is a klofter? <laughs> Good question. What's the conversion rate on klofter to leg? <laughs> to men's leg. To men's leg, yeah, correct. A few years before, Hans Karli from Elemental in Trakelswald. I feel like I'm just sort of hanging out in the back of my throat for this entire episode. You're gargling. Claimed to have killed a quite small, hairy stolen worm, carrying ten young. Oh no! Yeah, I killed all the babies. It's interesting that they carry live young. Yeah. Or maybe he didn't mean like carrying as in pregnant. Maybe he meant like they were literally riding it. I was going to say, maybe they were on its back. I don't know. Unclear. <laughs> but they were babies. But babies. Well, if it's more cat than snake, then mayhap it carries live young. Especially because that one was hairy and not scaly. Yeah. Okay, was it just a cat? Was it just a weird cat? <laughs> was it just a cat and is he just an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, there's one more statement I like here, just because the phraseology of it is like slightly archaic in a way that leads to a really great sentence. And uh -huh. um, I'm going to read that for you right now without any other context. Please. The writer Johann Rudolf Weiss explicitly stated that while the dragon was fabulous... The stolen verm was dubious. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it means fabulous as in like a clearly mythological creature existing oh, solely in the imagination. Definitely. And dubious as in like could or could not exist. But I love while the dragon was fabulous, the stolen verm was dubious. Sounds like a review of a restaurant. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? The standard description of the stolen worm was as a sort of snake with a cat's head and short feet, but he added that it was sometimes said to be hairy, and not just two or four, but multiple limbs like a caterpillar. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Weiss records a fabulous description from a certain shepherd, unnamed, wink, in Godman Valley, who said there were two types of stolen worm, white ones with a little crown, and the more common black ones. What little crown? I think it probably means like the crest or the bristles that the other okay. accounts were talking about, but I'm not going to ruin that for you either. <laughs> they have a little crown. Oh, it's because they're royalty. I guess so. <laughs> oh, boy. In any case, he conjectured that the herdsmen of the Alps were probably talking about the stolen worm when they said they believed that serpents had the habit of sucking milk from pasturing cows. <laughs> oh, my God. So... That's a weird thing that we got to come back to in the last few minutes of this episode. It's the creepiest chupacabra. It is so wild. It's just kind of, like, it's not technically doing anything that wrong. It's just kind of creepy. <laughs> it's just pretty unsettling is the thing. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm thinking it's not like hurting the cow. It's not really doing anything wrong, but I am uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I do love it. I just don't love it. I'm going to scritch it on its ears. There you go. On its tufty ears. In July 1883 or 1884, Kaspar Arnold saw a Totzelwurm on the Spielberg near Hochfilzen in Austria. 
He watched it from a mountain restaurant for 20 minutes and was certain it only had two legs. Okay. That's it. That's your sighting. How many freaking legs does he watch it from a mountain restaurant for 20 minutes and was certain it only had two legs? In case you were still worried about the caterpillar legged boys. (laughs) I'm really upset about the caterpillar legs. It's no good. No good. No good. Another two legged Totsil firm leaped nine feet in the air toward two witnesses near Raures in Salzburg, Austria. In the summer of 1921. Goodbye. It was gray, about two to three feet long, and had a head like a cat. Okay. (laughs) Now this just kind of sounds like a cat. Yeah, that just sounds like a cat. It just sounds like a cat, but what can you do? Cats also jump. Cats do jump. We have proven this. With all of our science, we have proven that cats do jump. (laughs) It's one of the only things we can be sure of in this world. You know what cats don't do, Alex? What do cats not do? Dance. Ugh. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> but they could if Hollywood would give them a chance. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to accidentally open up that emotional can of worms. Can of it's cool. worms. It's just a story that means more to me than anything else in this world. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so that's going to wrap us up on the tonsil worm, I think. What do you think of our weird friend? Going to pat him. Going to pat him? I know I might go out, but there are worse ways to go. Yeah, you know, I, I think that now we've reached a moment in this podcast where we have the chance for a beautiful mutual understanding with each other. Mm-hmm. Because if we think back to every other, like, hellhound or remotely dog-adjacent episode <laughs> we've ever done, I think that we know each other a little bit better now. I think maybe we understand the depths of each other's souls in a way that we didn't have the chance to before. It only took us 70-something episodes, but you're right. I think we've arrived at some sort of mutual understanding. <laughs> uh, I'm so thankful to the Totsilverm for bringing us together in this moment. But also, please don't die. Do you think it does the little head bump? Oh, God, I hope it does. A kitty cats do the little head bump? Yes. Good. And it's like, hi. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I'm a Totsilverm. What if, like, one of the... I bet, like, one of them is nice. At least one of them's got to be nice. I bet if you could find one as, like, a Totsil kitten, you'd be fine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I could raise it from, from childhood, as raise it as my own. <laughs> I don't know what the lifespan on these things is. I don't know. It probably would outlive me. Maybe, yeah. That's okay. But I wouldn't mind. But that would mean it would be a kitten for a pretty long time. Oh my god, it's a baby! Perpetual snake kitten. (laughs) So we have talked about a few different varieties of tonsil worm. We've, We've talked about some different components that can come together in the making of one of these creatures. So I want you to consider for a moment... That, like, a la some sort of late 90s, early 2000s video game where you get to, like, breed weird animals. I want you to describe to me your ideal totsil worm. Components of this creature, like, breeding profile, like, describe to me what parts of it are cat, how many legs it has, what cat goes into it, and what snake goes into it. Like, just give me the deets on your prize-winning show topsail firm. Okay. So what I'm thinking is I want to, like, if it's got some snake, I want a snake with, like, a good temperament. So probably, like, a ball python. Oh, good. Something that's, like, often kept as a pet and, like, pretty affectionate. So ball python. I do kind of like the idea of it. I, I would like it to kind of have all of its like mm-hmm. main, a mainly cat body, like, all of its kitty legs. Um, and then, like, just kind of instead of a regular cat tail, just, like, a long snake tail. Okay, so four legs and then just, like, long snaky tail. Yes. How long? How, how big is your tonsil worm? Like, probably four feet tail. Okay. Long tail, so it can, like, curl around stuff and give good hugs. 
Not too tight of hugs, just good hugs. Mm-hmm. So what kind of cat? It's probably some kind of like a rag doll. Oh. Again, I'm going for temperament and also they're cute. Oh my goodness. You just made the world's snuggliest Todd's lover. It's a baby. It's a baby. What, what a dream. What an absolute it's dream. It's a baby. That's so good. And that's my angel. That's my sweet angel. Is that its name? Is it named Angel? No, it's named Winona. Oh, that's also a very good name for your Totsilverm. Thank you. Alrighty. Well, thank you. Do you have any? That's my sweet baby. Very good. I love her. Do you have any announcements for the good people at home? I don't think I do. Thanks for being here. It's hard out here right now, everybody. So just yeah, like, it's, it's been rough. It's been a rough long week. Take some time for yourself today. Mm-hmm. Perform some radical self-care in whatever form that takes for you. I, as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to go to the gym and then I'm going to go make a huge pan of cinnamon rolls and I'm going to eat probably all of them. I have a breakfast order from Postmates coming. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, one quick thing. We have gotten a few emails from people who have submitted either like artist profiles or like potential merch designs. Yes. Uh, which is awesome. If you still want to send some of those our way, please do that. We have not reopened our Etsy store yet or started like formalizing any new merch, but we are still looking to create some. I'm sorry I haven't emailed anybody back yet. I'm still like in kind of a million directions, but I am collecting those and I would love to get a few more before we start like nailing anything down in particular. So if you are somebody who still would like to submit a merch design to us for consideration, or if you want to collaborate on designing something, just shoot us an email at cryptkeeppod at gmail.com, C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. That's the same email address where you can send any personal encounters or sightings or like stories from friends or relatives or one of our listener submission stories, which we'll probably do another one here soon-ish. Oh, yeah. Probably around Halloween. I think so. So is that everything? I think that's everything I've got, yeah. Okay, so then I would just like to say that, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. <laughs>